Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Third chapter of the book of Philippians, verse 8. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as lost compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him of perceiving and recognizing and understanding Him more fully and clearly. For His sake I have lost everything and consider it all to be mere rub rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I may win or gain Christ, the Anointed One, and that I may actually be found and known as in Him, not having any self-achieved righteousness, that can be called my own based on my own obedience to the law's demands or ritualistic uprightness and supposed right standing with God thus acquired, but possessing the genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ, the anointed one, the truly right standing with God which comes from God by saving faith. In verse 10, if you don't have this amplified translation of the Bible, I would admonish you to pick one up. But if not, write this down. In verse 10, Paul said, For my determined purpose is, my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection which it exerts over believers and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness even to his death in the hope that if possible that if possible if possible I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead even while in this body not that I've already attained this idea or am already perfect, but I press on to lay hold of, grasp, and make my own that for which Christ Jesus the Messiah has laid hold of me and made me his own. I do not consider, brethren, that I've captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do, it is my aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. So let those of us who are, now listen, and if you have this translation, underline it. If not, get the translation. So let those of us who are spiritually mature and full grown have this mind and hold these convictions. And if any... And if any respect, in any respect, you have a different attitude of mind, God will make it clear to you also. So if you have any other thought of mind or any attitude in your mind, then he says, God will make this clear to you. That if you're to be spiritually grown and full grown, spiritually mature and full grown, you're going to hold these same convictions. 
Only, now look at verse 16, only let us hold true to that we have already attained and walk and order our lives by that. Now he has given us, I believe, a lot of room here. What he is actually saying, he said, this is my determined purpose as a born-again believer, spirit-filled believer, is that I may attain to the fullness of the power of the resurrected Christ in my life while I'm living in this body. Not that I've already attained to this fullness as of yet, but he said the attitude of mind that I have is that I will continue to press on towards and straining for the place in my spiritual development and growth that I could walk in this fullness while I'm in this body. And because I have this attitude of mind, now remember something. We've got to remember that there's not a person along as he's in a, a human body that is going to obtain to walking in what he's talking about. I mean, it stands the reason that it's not, not really done yet until you're glorified. But he says, this is my determined purpose in my spiritual walk. As long as you're in this flesh, you're going to make mistakes. As long as you're walking in the flesh, you still have that barrier between you and him. When you fully get into him and you're glorified, then there's no problem. But he said, my determined purpose in life is that I may ultimately know him in this way. And I am straining for this purpose in life. And it doesn't matter what's behind me. And remember that right now. This, yesterday doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's behind me. What matters is what's ahead of me. What matters is what today is. You can make that choice today. You can make that decision today. I choose to make that decision. I want to make that decision. I want to live by this. I want to know him this way. This is his purpose for coming. And I'll tell you what, I want to know the fullness of what Jesus has really done for us in his death, burial, and resurrection and giving to us the new birth. And if anybody else has another attitude of mind, he said, if you'll just be honest with God, God will show this to you. Some people think they've already attained. Well, I just know all there is. No, you know why I know that? Because they don't read their Bibles. You find a born-again believer who's not looking and deeping, or digging deeply into the Word of God, you'll find out somebody who thinks that they just learned all there is to know. And you might as well just forget that because you've not learned all there is to know. And you'll never learn all there is to know. But he said, purpose in your heart. And God looks not on the outward appearance of man, but he looks upon the heart of man. And if you'll have this determination in your heart and this desire within your own spirit, God will look upon your heart. And I guarantee you, beloved, by the word of the living God, he'll do all that he can to bring to you all the revelation knowledge he could possibly squeeze into this brain of ours and fill us up with all the glory he could possibly fill us up with while we're living in this body to see that he brings to us the fullness in this life of the resurrection and the outflowing of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many here desire to do the same thing in their walk? It means forgetting everybody else. It means forgetting others. It means putting everything in the past behind you. And it means living day, one day at a time, with this desired purpose of heart. Now, Paul was totally committed and determined that he was going to live this walk and walk this walk, and he was going to get to know him. I think that if we could just get believers 
with the same attitude of mind that they want to know their Heavenly Father and understand the resurrection and know the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, if you remember John 17, chapter, verse 3, Jesus said, This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Sometimes I think we've sought the things and the benefits of the resurrection, but we've never sought God the Father and Jesus Christ and the why of the resurrection and really sought the life of the resurrection. We sought the, the benefits of the resurrection, but when you get down to what Paul's saying here, he's going beyond all the benefits and he's going to the source. He is seeking out that life. He is wanting to perceive and understand in his spirit the Father God and know him intimately. And he wants to know the power of this resurrection. He wants to know the outflowing of it. Why? Just so he can have it all? No. So he can have it to give to somebody else. So he can be a vessel upon this earth who is an exact duplicate of the life of Jesus Christ. Now Jesus is the express image of his person. He is the firstborn. We are predestined to be created after and we are the same image and be transformed into that same, very same image while we're living upon the face of this earth. And I've talked to people, and I've, I've heard one just the other day say, uh, she was disheartened. She was very grieved and very sad. As a matter of fact, it caused her, by her own admitting, she admitted herself that I am a backslider. I am a backslider because I went to this church and I saw they weren't living the life. I saw that the minister wasn't living the life. I went to this church and I got hurt by this minister and by that person. Friends, your life between the Father and Jesus is not based upon somebody else's life. It's not based upon me. It's not based upon the ministry down the street. It's not based upon anybody in this congregation. It is based upon you and him through Jesus Christ. And that's all there is to it. And when she understood this, she gave her heart back to Jesus. And she says, I'm going to live for you, and I'm going to know you and understand you. But nobody ever told her this. She was looking to man, you see. Now listen, because people are are apt to look to man. They do. They do sometimes. They're trying to find somebody who could show them the way. Jesus came to show us the way. He did show us that he was the way, the truth, and the life. People are looking to somebody else. And, and too many times we have those that are not living this kind of life. And so consequently what they see is hypocritical. But when you get somebody who's willing to walk the walk and live the life like Paul was, he could boldly say, now you be followers of me as I am of Christ then the people, when they see this kind of life, they could pattern their selves, themselves, at least after somebody, as a young Christian, until they can go to a place of spiritual development that this same mind that was in Paul, the same mind that was in Christ, is in them also. And they could begin to seek diligently, without anybody else, the very knowledge of the Almighty God. And in this study, I believe that the Spirit of God wants us to begin to know how to establish a relationship with the Father God that is above reproach. How to establish our communion with the Father God and really the Godhead. When I talk about establishing our relationship, which is our first priority in life, with the Father, I mean the Godhead. We cannot separate the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians, well, let's go there. I'm glad there, so let's go there. Ephesians, the first chapter, you'll see that all of it was based and is based, our redemption, that is, is based upon the working of the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we cannot take away from either one of them. 
in the new birth. Now, let's in Ephesians, we'll see something here. If you've never underlined this in your Bible, do so at this time. In the first chapter, in verses 3, let's start with 3 through 6, we find that Paul comments on the working of the Father. And in the next few verses, 7 through 12, he talks about the Son. And then in, in uh, 13 and 14, talks about the working of the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's read them together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, then he praises him by saying, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now he's talking about the Father. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Now he's talking about the Son. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom. Jesus is our wisdom and our prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to the, his good pleasure, which he had purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven. Now notice this. Both which are in heaven. This will be very important in our study. Both which are in heaven and which are on this earth. Why did he have to gather the things unto himself that are in heaven also? Because we'll begin to see that even the heavens were affected by the sin and the high treason that Adam had committed in the Garden of Eden. And so he had to gather all things unto himself that he had created. Those things that are in the heavens and those things that are upon the earth and also us, his created man. And he goes on, even in him, in whom also we have, now see we, the things that are in heaven, th things that are on the earth, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. And then he goes off and talks about the Holy Spirit. In whom also, he also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believe you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And we have got to understand all the Father's working, the Son, and the Holy Spirit if we are going to establish a relationship with the Father God, with the Godhead as he wants us to, to know him intimately which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise, and he praises him, unto the praise of his glory. So you could readily see there are a lot of believers on the face of this earth. Some of them, well, they've come in by salvation, but they've never begun to understand the working of the Father. They've never begun to understand the working of the Son. And by no means, especially those that have, that have not been filled with the Spirit, cannot understand a vital part of their redemption. And when I say being filled with the Spirit, I mean with the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives us utterance uh, as a recorded in the book of Acts. They have not yet to begin to understand. Can you imagine living a Christian and dying, a born-again Christian, and never beginning to really understand the fullness of what God has prepared for them that love Him because they never enter the fullness of the Spirit of the living God when it is part of our purchased redemption? Sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Never intimately knowing the three of the Godhead. And so as we begin this study, we're going to 
have this purpose in mind, that we put away from ourselves all the garbage that we've heard about our Father, all the negative speaking we've heard about the Father God, how he tries to use sickness and disease to correct us, hogwash. That has nothing to do with the love of God. And we're going to, we're going to explain all these things. We're going to see, we're going to build a picture, paint a picture of the true love that, that God the Father has with us and we're going to establish a relationship by that picture we paint of Him. We're going to paint a picture of the redemptive work of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and paint that picture so that we can have a, establish a relationship with Him in this new covenant through His blood to get to the Father and understand all the working of the redemptive work of Christ in our lives. And then we're going to see and establish an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit how we are living in the dispensation of grace, the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, the working of the Spirit of God in these latter days, in our lives, to cause the new birth to come to pass. Although God spoke to us in, in times past by the prophets, to the fathers by the prophets, and in these last days spoke to us by His Son, it is the working of the Holy Spirit of God in the life of the believer that quickens the Word to produce the new birth in you, to produce the new birth in me to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to know the working of God, to lead us deeply into the things of God. The Spirit teaches us all the deep things of God, we're told. Amen? Well, if you want to understand this, this walk that Paul is talking about over here in the book of Philippians, then we're going to have to become acquainted with God the Father through Jesus the Son by the Word of God being quickened to us by the Holy Spirit of God. And if we just, we can't separate that. We've got to get them all together and establish an individual relationship with each and every one of them so that we can come together with this walk that he's talking about of knowing the Father intimately. So let's go back to the book of Genesis. If you're going to establish a relationship with any of the Godhead, you're going to have to, first of all, uh, chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 1. We're going to, first of all, have to understand where do we get our information? Where do we, uh, how do we understand what our place is and our relationship is with the Father God? Well, we're only going to understand, establish a relationship with the Godhead through His Word. The only source we have to understand the Father God is through God's Holy Word. And even having the Word isn't enough. That Word on these pages will not produce life. It takes that Word quickened in the heart of the hearer by the Holy Spirit of God, unveiling to us the light that's in that Word, causing life to come forth in our spirits. And that's why it takes the anointing of the Spirit of God to break down the yokes of bondages and to break apart the blind minds that Satan has over and the veil that Satan has put over the minds of all the world lest they believe. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And beloved, you and I are privileged to live in a dispensation where the Spirit of God is outpoured upon all mankind to unveil to us the working of God through redemption. Can you imagine living in the time of the Old Covenant, in Abraham's time, in Isaac, and Jacob's time, when they could only see a glimpse of what God was going to do in our lives? Living it day by day, knowing they could never obtain the promise. They could live it day by day, but they could never obtain that promise because Jesus had not yet come. 
But beloved, Jesus has come. He's come. He's resurrected. He's alive forevermore. And this comforter has also come to teach us and guide us. I'm excited. Amen. Are you excited? Praise God. Genesis, the first chapter, second chapter, and third chapter, really, if we could understand these three chapters in, in the spirit, and if it could become light in your spirit, if the effect of Adam's high treason and sin, if the effect of God's creating the heavens and the earth and man would be deepened to our spirits, if we would know this deeply in our spirit, then the effect of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ would be far greater in our lives. And that's why we want to go back and, and just study this. And we're going to start from the beginning. And I don't care how long it takes. Are you going anywhere? No place? Okay. It doesn't matter to me. I believe that this is very important and, and we need to understand it. And so we're going to spend Sunday morning and Sunday evenings talking on this subject. And then we're going to spend, as I'm led by the Lord, Wednesday evenings to talk strictly on faith. That way we'll have two separate teachings going at the same time. Which will take care of meeting the needs as they come in both areas. One based, basing one on our spiritual growth and development. The other one teaching us how to obtain and appropriate all these blessings in our lives. Amen. Now... Genesis, the first, second, and third chapters, I said, gives us... In the first chapter, you, you get a condensed version of creation. And in the second chapter, it's, there's a little bit more expounding upon exactly what took place. So, in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, we'll begin... Let, let's just take a look at... Well, first of all, verse 26. Let's start there. Well, we're going to get our information from two sources. All coming from the Word of God, of course. These three chapters... And hold your place there. And let's go to John 14, chapter 14. And let's just read a few verses here. And hold your place. We go right back to it. Looking at verse 26. And we're going to get the rest of our information from somebody I think you know quite well. His name is called Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's living in your heart. He's here with us this day. And He came to show and to reveal to us the nature of... The attributes, the characteristics of His Father God and our Father God. Let's just read a few verses here and then we'll go back to Genesis. Let not your heart be troubled. Verse 1, Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. He, he be, he's the first prophet that came that talked about God as His Father. In my Father's house. Well, if you want to know about, you know, about my life, you probably just go to Lisa or BJ's. He grows up and find out. You can find out all you want to know about my life. And it's the same thing that's true in every one of your lives out there that have children. I mean, you know, them little ones, they'll go off and tell everything. Everything. Some things you may not want them to tell, they'll tell because they know you. Amen. You can't hide it from them. So Jesus was with the Father in His house. And that's why He knows in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man cometh to who? Oh, we're finding out the way to the Father. No man going to come to the Father but by me. So Jesus knows the way to the Father. I think he's a pretty good source of information for this study. Amen. Jesus says, no man's going to come to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father. Now he gives us a little bit more of a clue here, of understanding the Father, is if you know me. 
you'll know my Father. And Jesus lived on this earth as a man and said that. And so consequently, if we look at his earth walk and what he did, then we'll know just how the Father is. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth that Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? What he's saying is this. I haven't done anything that the Father did not commission me to do. So everything that I have done and revealed to you is, has come very, straight from the very heart, the Father heart of God. Anything that I have done and said has come straight from the Father. I am His express image in this body. The God the Father personified. The Word personified. I am the Father God in person. And you can't get a better source than that. Amen. Let's finish it. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. All that was done was done not by Jesus, but done by the Father that dwelleth in him. Now, you better believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the work's sake. In other words, believe me because I'm telling you. And friends, I would rather believe because Jesus told me than believe because of the work's sake. The works mean believe because of what you saw. I don't want to believe because of what I saw. We walk by faith, not by sight. I'd rather believe because Jesus has spoken and told us that He is of the Father. And I believe that. And so we're going to get a picture and an image of the Father painted through the life of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And He'll answer all our questions as to what the Father is to us. And remember that scripture again, John 17, 3. If you haven't marked it, mark it down. This is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Because when you know them, then you know all about eternal life. You'll know him intimately. And when you start talking about all the things that are given to us freely of God, those things will only be there because you know him. You know His love for you. You know His mercy for you. You know His kindness towards you. You will you'll be in a position like this. You'll say, I know that it is the will of God, my Father, to heal this body of mine because I know that I know that I know that His love for me is so overwhelming that He does not want to see sickness or disease even touch my body. It'll never be a question in your mind again, does God want to heal me? When you know that, it means an end of sickness and disease in your body forever. Blessed be God. Until the day that you lay down in Jesus' arms. E.W. Kenyon said, The way every believer should go home is by laying his body down in Jesus' arms. And that's the way he went home. He laid back in, into the arms of Jesus and just took on. Amen. Praise God. Let's go back to the book of Genesis. and Let's begin. In Genesis, the first chapter, verse 26. We said chapter 1 is a summary of creation. And then we get a little bit more expounded on it in chapter 2. In the first 25 verses, we see that God created the heavens and the earth. And then He created the man. He created the heavenlies. He created the earth. And let's just begin to 
grab a hold of something here. I want you to see this with your spirit. The reason that the heavens were made is because of the earth. In other words, the heavens were made so that the earth could have the heavens. And if you'll check out everything that's in the heavenly bodies, everything that's in the heavenly bodies has something to do with the earth. The sun, though it's many, many million miles away, gives us the heat that we need. And does many other things that we need upon it. Every planet that's in the solar system has an effect upon this planet, the earth. So the heavenlies were put out there, and the reason for them is the earth. Now, the reason for the earth is the man. That's the reason why this earth was made, is because of man. Now imagine that. The reason for all the, the reason for the heavens is the earth, the reason for the earth is us, the man. What place do we hold upon this earth? The reason why you and I were created is because of God's Father heart. And I, I just like to put it this way, if I may use an example at this time. Every time we knew that we were expecting a child, and it seems as though we were in different houses each time, we took time to, even before the child was born, to go and get a room. And take that room in the house and say, this is the baby's room. And some of you have to know what I'm talking about. And we make sure that that room was freshly painted. And we made sure that that room had all the nice little things that little children like when they come into the world. And it made sure that it had all the right furniture. It had all this and it had all that. And you're going, you get all this, everything. It just seems like, you know, all that, everything that's being put into that room is for the child. And you make such great preparation because of your love for that child. And I don't know about you, but we're, I don't know if you want to say different, but we, we, always, we always seem to, to like to, regardless of whether the other children had some things, we like to have each child have its own new thing. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I, I just don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not, nothing against handing down things, you know. But it just seems like your love for that child, you, you know, would you want to have somebody else's, you know, things? And, but we, we always made sure that, that that new child had his own, new something. Not everything, but new something. So that that child had its own possessions. Now imagine, all that work went into that room. Everything that went into that, that room and all the furniture, everything was for that child who was not here yet. The purpose of the room and all that was in that room was for the child that was to come. When the child came, and if you haven't had any children, if you have, you understand this. He became the boss of that room. I mean, he did. It was all his or hers. It was all theirs. I mean, everything that was in it. Certainly wasn't for me. I didn't put it in there for me. To, you know, I wouldn't go in there and play with them toys. You know, It was all in there for the child. And it was the child's. And that child can do all, whatever the child wanted to do with it. It was all theirs. Well, what I'm trying to say is this. The reason for all this time, these six days of creation, all that he did, the wonderful, marvelous, we, look, we go out and just go somewhere where you get a nice scenic view of the earth and the beauty of it, the mountains and the trees and the, uh, just the, the universe, all that God has done for us. And we look out there and we say, isn't it wonderful? What a great God that we have. But did you ever look at it this way? It was all put there for you, for the man. It was put there for us. The same way we took pride in doing in having all these things prepared for our child that was to be born is the same way He made sure that all that He did 
was the way he wanted it for his creation man. And when that man was created, he wasn't created after some, something that looked like the universe. He was created after the very image and the very likeness of the creator God. Made in the same class. A triune being, a tripart being. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, a tripart being, man, spirit, soul, and body, a tripart being, same way. Made in his likeness, made in his very own image, and given, and let's read the verse now. All that was made, now I want you to grab a hold of this. And God said, let us make man in our image, and after our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. Now notice in verse 26, he's talking with the Godhead. Let us, let us make man. That's, he's, saying, let us, he's saying, let us do this. And so God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him, him, male, him, him, man, male, and female. See, when we talk about man, we don't just talk about male. He created man, male and female. And when we get into the second part about the relationship between the husband and wife, you're going to see this a lot more clearly. But him, the created man, was made male and female, created he them. Now notice verse 28. I, I, I said, well, now Lord, you said in verse 26, let, let us make this man and give him dominion over all the earth and all that, that you've created. Let him have it. But in verse 28, you repeated yourself. Why? Well, and God blessed them. How does God bless anybody? By saying. And said, or say it said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. In other words, he created the man after he said this. But it did not go into effect until he spoke it to the man. That's how the God, our Father, delegates authority. It's not enough to say, let's go pray for sister so-and-so. You've got to go do it. It's not enough to know that you have authority over something. You see, you have got to speak that authority. And so God the Father then in that verse spoke and said, man, you have dominion. He spoke those words of life. He gave that dominion and authority to us, to the man, over all the works of his hands. He created it all, and the very purpose for it all boils back down to little old you and me. Now, can your small mind grab a hold of what is being said here? Well, if you knew what Adam looked like then, you'd understand it. And if you saw your spirit right now, oh, you'd understand it. And you'd know who you are. But you see, we've got this veil of flesh and we're going to bring it up to this high treason and his sin. And we've got this veil of flesh over us hiding the glory, which is far greater than that glory, that's in us right now. But let's just start here with Adam and see that when he was created, God the Father gave this man. How important, I want to get across to you, is this created man to the Father God? How important is that child that was born to your family? All the things that were in that room don't mean anything if that child does not come forth. Did you ever see parents that did all this and made all this and then their child was not born? I've seen it. I've seen parents who were prepared and excited about the birth of their child and they had all everything ready. Can you imagine the despondency when they walked into that room after maybe a miscarriage or something like that? 
And they looked inside that room and everything that was in that room was meaningless. No importance. That's what happened when Adam committed high treason. God our Father was his, is the father of Adam. And when Satan came in and killed him, it's just as though that child was not born. All the works of his hands and the sight of the Father God. What do they mean now? Nothing. Nothing. So what took six days of creative work of God the Father was destroyed by that act of sin and disobedience. And God the Father loves... You think that was love. God the Father loves you and me so much that He took 4,000 years. Once a natural child is lost, unless he's raised from the dead, it's lost forever. But God the Father was willing to work. See, he sees from his works. We're going to see this. But he was willing to go back to work to recreate us. Recreate us. 4,000 and some odd years it took for him to do it. But can you imagine on the day that the Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead, can you see the excitement as though that child was born and placed into that room? That's the excitement, friends, when one comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you're born again. That is the same excitement that goes on. God has given birth to that child again and brought him out of darkness into the glorious light and placed him back into that room, the heavenlies and the earth, and says, you've got the dominion of all of it. Sickness and disease and all the garbage that's here, you've got the dominion through Jesus now over it. But I want to show you the love he had for you, that he, he was willing in his heart, not only to, to go them 4,000 years, but he was willing in his heart to send Jesus to do it. And when you grab a hold of Jesus and all that he did, you'll see your father in a new light. And you'll never have to question in your mind again, do I have faith to believe my God will do this for me? Because your love for him, his love for you will be so great. You'll never hesitate or doubt, but you'll say, my Father will do it for me. I'm beginning to see how as I grow day by day that faith becomes not something that I'm unaware of. I don't know if I shared it with you, but Lisa stuck her arm over, the, when we were driving home from Tulsa, she stuck her arm, arm over the back of the car seat and she stuck it over and she said, look, Dad. And it was that same type of rash that was coming on her body when she was delivered la that, that one day from school. And I looked and I saw and there was little, this little rash coming up on her arm again. And I just looked back like that there. And, and sometimes, like I say, you're just unaware. And, and I said, oh, I'll pray and the Lord will heal you. Unaware of, of thinking, well, do I have enough faith to do this? It didn't matter. I didn't think about whether I had enough faith to do it or not. I just said, I'll pray and the Lord will heal you. And so I just prayed the prayer of faith. And she sat back in the seat and I never thought another thing of it since. At all. And I don't, I don't really know when it left. It was just, I just knew the next time I saw her arm and there was nothing there. But it was just a matter of knowing. See, it was before it might have been, oh, you know, do I have faith to believe this? Can I really believe? And you go through all your scriptures and you start thinking, ah, believe I receive and I shall have. Believe I receive and I shall have. He took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. But it was just this. Lisa, I'll pray. Our Father will heal you. That's the high type of knowing Him that Paul was talking about. Knowing the will of the Father God. And then appropriating it in our very own lives individually. Well, in verse 31, God saw, let's read it, 
everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Very good. It was very good. This is exactly the way he wanted it. It was very good. He put it in, into operation. He put it into motion. He established it. He established the relationship between himself and the man. You had nothing to do with creation. You had nothing to do with the recreation. This is the working of the Almighty God. The faith and the operation of God. The new creation. The beginning of creation was the faith and the operation of the faith of God. In motion. That's what it was. You had nothing to do with that creation. Other than the fact that you were the one that was created. It was His love that created you. It was His Father heart that gave birth to you. So He put this in motion and all you've got to do is accept the fact that you were created into His likeness and image and you were placed in this earth to have rule and dominion over all the works of His hands. He established it that way. All we do in the new creation is reestablish by an act of our will that which He has already purposed in us through Jesus Christ. And we take again that place of authority. And when you realize what authority you have through Jesus Christ in this earth, it'll get you shot. I mean, it'll get you to shot and you won't be able to sit there. You just have to just start shouting, just thank God for what he's actually done for you. And just because there's many of us doesn't mean, you know, anything different than the fact that it was only one Adam. It doesn't matter. That was the purpose of Adam and Eve was to, re, was to replenish this earth. But everyone that was born thereafter would have the same authority and have the same dominion in the earth as the first created Adam did. Well, we can see that this was God's plan. Now, it's God's plan that we reestablish that. And that's why step number one, first priority in our life is to establish this relationship with the Father God through this knowledge of who we are to Him and who He is to us. Both, it works together. And how we establish that is through Jesus Christ. But let's go to chapter 2, verse 1. Thus, 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 because of, thus. Now see, he, he, he did all this, he said all this, it was all very good. Now thus, because, thus, because of all this, because of all that God has done, and the way he set it in motion, and gave man dominion, thus the heavens and the earth were brought to perfect. They were brought to perfection. They were brought to perfection. Actually, we could say it this way. They were brought to their predestined end. That was it. That was it. It was God's intent that man enter into this relationship with his father. It was God's intent that we enter because he entered into the rest on the seventh day and all man, ha man had to do was just walk over to the tree of life and partake of that tree of life and enter into the same rest that God had done and that was it. Oh, can you see it? Can, you, can your eyes, spiritual eyes begin to open as you begin to see that he predestined it all to be done this way. He, as far as he was concerned, he brought it to perfection. He did the finishing work. See, somebody did the finishing work on this. It would be there. If it wasn't finished, it would, be, it would be, still look like a pulpit, but it wouldn't be finished. And he says he brought it all to perfection. He finished it. He, he finished it off. He brought it to perfection. Thus, the heavens, remember what we said, in Ephesians, he had to establish and draw all things unto himself in heaven and in earth. And you're going to see how the sin of Adam affected the heavens and affected the earth and affected the man that was created by God. Now, 
and all the host of them, in other words, all that was in it, and on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made and rested or ceased, not rested like he took a nap, he ceased on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. I mean, when you cease and you get done with your work, if you had to finish something that took a, uh, you know, I could just see uh, somebody who was a great sculptor or whatever and finally putting the finishing touches on all his work and he has ceased from all his work, he just sits back and enjoys the beauty of what he's done. Amen. And all he was waiting was for Adam to enter into the same rest by an act of his will. Well, you know what happened. Let's go on here. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because he separated it, set it apart, because that he, in it he had rested or ceased from all his work which God created and all that he had made. Now let's go on down to verse 15. We see that God is a God of faith because we know that the heavens and the earth, all that was made was, me, was made according to Hebrews 11 and 3, were made by the faith of God. We understand that by faith the world was framed by the word of God. Right? By faith. Our God is a God of faith. He is a faith God. You need to know that about a characteristic of your Father God. So if you don't understand that, write that down. My Father is a faith God. He is a God of faith. And Hebrews 11.6 demands the fact that we should have faith. Without faith we cannot please our Father. So let's face it, He is a God of faith and faith is very important with our walk with Him. In our walk with Him. So He is a faith God. You need to know that about your Father. There's a lot of people that don't know that about their Father God, that He demands faith from His people. That's number one, you need to get into your heart. Because it's only by faith are you saved through, by grace are you saved through faith. Amen? That's going to be the first thing you need to understand in reestablishing your relationship with Him. But it's enough to say that God is a God of faith. But in this verse, verse 15 of the second chapter, we see that He reveals Himself as a God of judgment. He is also a God of judgment. He, he speaks these words, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to, to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. That is judgment. You will be judged. I have done all this for you. I have ceased from my works. I have put you in authority. Notice verse 9 says, The tree of life was in the midst of the garden. It was there. They could have partaken of that tree of life. But it says, He said that if you partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be judged. He is a God of judgment. Now, let's refer back to something that Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23. If you want, you can turn to it. If not, that's all right. But just write it down. Make sure you know the Scripture because we're seeing how Genesis, the first three chapters, reveals to us the Father, and reveals to us our relationship with the Father and how Jesus just reinforces that because He was with the Father. He was there when all this happened. And He tells the scribes and Pharisees, He tells them right here, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You teach, you pay tithe of anise, mint, and cumin. He says, But you've neglected the weightier matters of the law. Now the law was a schoolmaster to show us Christ who was to come. And Christ was to show us the Father. 
He said, you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, which are judgment, mercy, and faith. And you better circle that middle one, mercy, and you better just thank our holy God in heaven that he's merciful. Because his mercy is his attitude towards those that are in trouble. And when Adam sinned, we was in trouble. I mean, we were in big trouble. So Jesus is reaffirming to us that our Heavenly Father is also a God of judgment. And I want to get on this and I want to really hit it hard. Because, beloved, people have misused this fact that God is a God of judgment. I want to start out by just saying this right now. Jesus showed you how to get away from judgment. He says, if you judge not, you will not be judged. You will not be judged. Yes, he is a God of judgment, but Adam would not have been judged had Adam obeyed God. There would have been no judgment. But our Heavenly Father, you write that down, is a God of judgment, mercy, and faith. Now, if God wanted to condemn you and me, he had the right to condemn us right when Adam had sinned. Now, the judgment came, which we'll see here in a minute, but grab a hold of this. I hear too many people behind the pulpits, preachers, preaching that God is a God of judgment and that there's... The only preach is condemnation from the pulpit. They preach you what you can't do, what you shouldn't do, and all this and that, and, and they never, never give you the way out. They preach condemnation. If God wanted us to be condemned, all He had to do was not show us mercy by sending the Lord Jesus Christ and every one of us that's in this place would have been condemned to hell. Now... For God so loved the world. There's another attribute of God. God is love. For God, your Father, loved you so much. Can you imagine the, 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 the couple on the day that they bring their baby home from the hospital and they take that child into that room? Now, now check out, I'll tell you what, there's, two, there's a big difference in those two rooms. You can have the room of the people right here whose child did not survive and you can have the room of the people right here whose child did. And I guarantee you there'll be two different countenances in those two different rooms. Don't you believe that? Now, can you imagine uh, the heart of the Father God loved you and me so much that after that despondency of his child that he had created died, he died, he died and was separated from his Father God as far as you can be. He could not look upon him any longer because of the sin. You remember the first thing Adam said? I hid myself from your presence. Well, that room is empty, beloved, when Adam sinned. And the heart of, father heart of God. Can you imagine? The father heart of God. The despondence. Can you imagine all that he created? And, and just for this creation, this man, it's gone. He's separated. He's dead. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's verse 16, John 3, 16. But 17 says, I, Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came into the world so the world through me. Can you see, can you see, I had to see his face when he said that. I didn't come here to condemn you. Don't you understand your father? He loves you. I didn't come to condemn you. I came in, it took my father 4,000 years to get me here so that I can tell you the good news that he loves you. His mercy endured forever and he wants you to come back. 
And I didn't come in this world to condemn you. I came that you would have this same life. Oh, so you can have eternal life. Can you see that? Can you see the joy in the heart of Jesus? Can you, oh, can you see the, the, the outpouring of God's affection and love on the day that Jesus was raised, from, not only for Jesus coming up from the dead, but Adam who died in Jesus and the first person on the day of Pentecost, besides Jesus, his son, the first person when the Holy Spirit came down and produced the new birth into that room that was empty, now has life in it. Can you see the rejoicing of all the heavenlies? He, when Jesus went into the heavenly holies of holies, he, brought, he even cleansed the heavens that were affected by it. He cleansed us in our spirits that we could come back unto him. He brought back all things unto himself. And beloved, listen to this. You and I, we're the only ones that are benefiting in that work of Christ right now in our spirits. Our body's not redeemed yet. But blessed be God, we have a taste of that glory. The earth right now is not really what we call redeemed. I mean, legally it is, but it has not been, it hasn't transpired yet. It will someday. And that's why the whole earth is groaning and travailing, waiting for the day to, uh, of the adoption today to wit the adoption of us sons to be made manifest completely spirit soul and body and the whole new heavens and the whole new earth and we have cast in on the new creation already now that's who we are and yet the earth is waiting and everything else is groaning and crying out and we ourselves too within groan and travail that this body would be made glorified that's what we're waiting for but Paul says, I'm going to know him now so if it were possible, I could live in this body, the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. Well, I can see we're not even going to start this message, so we want to pick it up. We're going to pick it up tonight. We're going to continue this. Well, the Lord has laid upon my heart. We're going to continue right on through this and establish all we are to him and he is to us. And how through Jesus Christ it was all made available. And how the Holy Spirit actually does the work in this generation. But we'll pick it up right here where Adam was judged. And as you can see, the, if we can understand with our spiritual eyes and minds, if we could see that room that, where that child was to be brought, if we can see it empty, then we can understand just how it affected the heart of the Father God. But if we could see in relationship to that empty room, the resurrected Christ, then we could understand fully just what took place in the beginning and just what took place when Jesus raised from the dead. And we can understand fully the great depths of the Father's love. You know over there in Ephesians, the third chapter, where it talks about that we may know the endless boundaries, the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height of His love towards us. Beloved, I believe we're going to begin to see some of it right here in this study. We are going to begin to see the endless boundaries of God's infinite love towards us. His creative... We are the reason for all the creation. Us. And then he went a step further in recreation. But we're going to understand the depths of his love towards us. And when you understand that, it'll just be for the asking. Heavenly Father, I ask you. You have it. I know that's how it works. I know that's how it works. What a delight we are to the heart, the Father heart of God. Amen.
We'll pick it up right here tonight where Adam committed high treason, his judgment, and we'll start to see some of these attributes of God our Father and get to know him, know how to avoid his judgment, know how to use his faith, know how to thank him for his mercy that has saved us, and walk in the life that Jesus came to bring. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.